The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Joanne Kraft of Grace and Truth Living led a track called Women and Disciple Making. Joanne Kraft has put together a nifty PDF download of 42 scriptures that are great for memorizing and for discipleship in general. And it's available for free through discipleship.org. Now, these scripture passages are a great way for you and someone you disciple to memorize scripture together. It has a beautiful design. And what's great is that you can print it off from anywhere you are in the world. This PDF is available for download through discipleship.org slash grace and truth. That's one word. So go online and download their free PDF at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. Now here's the track session from Grace and Truth Living. I want to talk to you today about Jesus and discipleship and the way that God has worked out discipleship in my life. It might not look like what we've talked about in other circles, but I'll, I'm just going to share with you um, a little bit about what that looks like in my life. And I'm going to share, because Joanne has asked me to, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony. Um, I was a widow at 27 and raising two kids by myself, and so I'll incorporate that in. So. Um, so that's part of why I love discipleship. You'll understand, I think you'll understand why I'm so crazy about Jesus and discipleship after you hear a part of my testimony. Um, but first, can we just pray real quick? So, Father God, we love you so much. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill this place. I pray for our hearts that are receptive to what you have to say. Father, I am so aware that I'm just the mouthpiece. So I pray that, that you would say anything you want through me right now. And um, I pray that burdens would be lifted and uh, that we would understand what it means to make disciples and to be able to fit all of that into our lives. So Father, please teach us today. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the fact that you're here tells me that you value discipleship and um, that you probably have very full lives and you're trying to figure out how to fit it all in. I really get that. I'm married to a senior pastor. We have five kids. Three of them are married, so that's eight kids, huge family. Um, uh, I have a part-time job. We, you know, we, I have Bible studies on Wednesdays for the ladies at our church. We have home group on Thursday nights, and you know, you try to fit in eating right and doing the dishes and getting the laundry done, all that stuff. So we're just busy women. I think everybody I know is really busy. And then to add discipleship on top of all that, you just wonder how in the world are we going to do all this? But I know that you are influencers in this room, and I know that we were made to be in discipling relationships. So. I have a slide here. This, um, oh, that's just the title of our breakout, but I'm using the, the definition that my husband likes to use um, with the Bonhoeffer Project, that discipleship is teaching others to live and love like Jesus. I love that. But because I'm a woman and I have lots of words, I have my definition wouldn't fit on an index card probably, but my definition would be something like discipleship is loving people enough to come alongside them in their lives, to tell them the good news about Jesus, that he's the salvation of the world, that he's the savior, the one true God, and inviting them to learn what it means to follow him. Um, so as we know, I mean, it's all about relationships and, I, and this vertical relationship is so amazing and so key. And then out of that comes these horizontal relationships that he puts on our radar screen. So um, we, we value discipleship and we know it's worthy of our time, but then we ask, um, why? why? Why did call, Jesus call us to, to make disciples? I mean, if we don't have a lot of time, then why don't we just invite people to church and let the pastor do it? You know, I mean, that, that could be. But we feel that tension, don't we? we? We know that we're supposed to be reaching out to these other people. And, um, and even people that we don't have anything in common with. But you know when he's put somebody on your heart. So, and you might be saying, I can barely take care of my own family. How can I fit everything? Oh, come on in. Yeah. So I would like to ask you. Whoop, that's too soon. Well, maybe I don't have one for that one. Okay, let's leave it here. Um, just why? Why do you think we should make disciples? I mean, we know Matthew 28 that says go and make disciples, but do you have other ideas that come to your mind that, that you could shout out? The, what do you, why, are, why did he call us to make disciples? Very good. Yep. Anybody else have one? Yes, that's one of mine too. Yep. It grows us. She said it grows us. Yeah. We'd have a better world. Yeah. Yep. Were you going to say something? Okay. Well, um, I, 
it's on the outline. What the few that I just wrote down were. Um, because Jesus says to, Matthew 28, but also it strengthens the church. Discipleship strengthens the church. Um, intentionally teaching people to follow Jesus will impact the integrity of your church, the bride of Christ. Um, not people just going to church, but people who will gather at church to learn. They want to know the word, and then they, they can choose that, that lifestyle of discipleship. Another reason is it, it equips others to make discipleship or to make disciples. It's that multiplication piece that the more I pour into somebody, the more that they want to pour into somebody else. And we always keep that key. We always make sure that they know that this isn't just keep to yourself. Now, you know, now you go out and find some people. And then, like you said, um, I had down, we, we are strengthened by our own faith in Christ. When I start talking about Jesus, I get so excited and it really like solidifies my own faith. I go, yeah, that's true. You know, you can hear your own self and you're like, yes, that is, that's right. He is, he is the Messiah. He is Lord. And then the last one that I have down there on the, the outline is, is love because we love people and we want them to know Jesus. This is eternal stuff that we're talking about. Um, Luke 1 49 says, for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. So for me, I cannot be silent. Somebody poured into me and I just, I'm so excited that I just want to pour into other people. I love this verse in Jeremiah 20 verse 9, where it seems like Jeremiah is struggling with what I'm not, I'm just going to try to hold it all in. But then he goes, no, no, I can't, I can't. I just have to say it. It says, um, but if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You can hear that tension where he's like, okay, I'll just stop talking about the Lord. And then like, um, I can't, I have, to, I have to talk about him. So we have to ask ourselves, why is it hard to keep Jesus's command to make disciples? And I would say one of the barriers is time. And so if we agree that discipleship is important to the church body and to our own growth, let's just ask, let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us overcome the time obstacles, to show us when and how to spend time with people, um, how to get to know them, to listen to their stories, takes time, to pray with and for them, to ask those challenging questions. It's risky asking people questions, to be mutually accountable and to love well. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we're all familiar with the first part of this, but this last week I've been really hooked up on the, se on the second part of it. We are Christ's ambassadors, but the second part of it says God is making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us. So I just think of it as like we are God's billboard, you know? He's making his appeal to this world through us. That, that is amazing to me, very humbling and really astounding. Uh, the way we spend our time and talents and relationships, it's a love offering. It's a sacrifice to Him. Uh, we don't have to slaughter lambs in the temple anymore, but sometimes I think that would be easier than carving out time, our real time. So if Jesus says to go and make disciples, it's worth our time to find out what that means and to do it, to love people and to invite them into our lives. I mean, we have the key to eternal life. And we, we want to share this with everybody. It's not just that it makes me uncomfortable. We need to share it. Um, discipleship is a heart issue, a surrendering, a joining in. It's really a love issue. Discipleship without the fruit of the Spirit, have you ever felt it? It's stale. Um, head knowledge is good, but if it's not worked out through the, Holy, the, through the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it needs to be worked out through the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it should be the result of the outpouring of love that comes first and then the peace and the understanding and all of that comes, long suffering and perseverance comes out of that love. Without love, we are clanging gongs, making disciples who are clanging gongs. And we don't want that. We want to make disciples from the outpouring of our hope and our faith and our love so that they can go and make disciples the same way. So this is where I'd like to stop for just a second and give you just a glimpse of my personal story. Um, one of my favorite memories, or my first memory, actually, uh, was as a child, when I was three or four years old, um, I, I was not raised in a Christian home, <clears throat> excuse me, but a really loving home. My parents did not go to church, um, and, but I, evidently we did on this one Easter. And I don't remember anything about the church or what was said, but I just remember how I felt. And I just knew at that little age that God loved me and I loved Him, and I just always wanted it to be so. I just, I just knew that. 
And I think that God gave me that gift at that early age in preparation for what he knew my story would be. So I, at nine years old, I heard the gospel at a good news club, and that's where I received Christ. You know, I prayed, but I didn't, I didn't know anything else. And then it wasn't until I was a junior in college that uh, one of my dorm roommates was a runner. We were running partners. Her name is Laura. And she taught me that Jesus is personal. You know, that she really taught me that she would talk about Jesus. In fact, one time we were running together and she was talking about Jesus so personally that I said, Laura, you act like you know him. <laughs> and she said, I do know him and you can know him too. Because I knew about him, but I didn't really know him. So that was a, a really key time in my life. And um, so she taught me that the word of God was a tool for everyday living, that was all new to me. Um, the fact that that ancient book, the Bible, could be used, you know, as applicable to every day, that was all new to me. Um, shortly after that, another gal that was a little bit older than me, Nina is her name, and she's still a mentor of mine. Uh, she would come on campus and have uh, breakfast with me every Tuesday. And um, Nina asked questions. She asked a lot of questions. And, uh, but Jesus asked a lot of questions, now that I look back, you know? Um, Nina was transparent and honest, and she taught me what it meant to have a safe place and to love deeply. In fact, her license plate had some, I don't know what the letters were exactly, but it was uh, something about love deeply. That was her, that was her thing, and it's always stayed with me. Um, and then after college, I married a man who loved Jesus, and we had two sons, and we had a dream for the future, lots of dreams for the future. And then on Christmas Eve in 1991, we were driving to my brother's house to celebrate Christmas, and a young woman, uh, 24 years old, a woman I had never met and didn't know anything about, uh, made a dreadful decision to commit suicide by driving into oncoming traffic, and that was us. That was our car. And so it was my husband and me, our two-year-old son Riley, and our five-month-old Michael. And our sons and I survived, uh, but my husband did not and neither did she. And I often wonder if she had someone in her life, a Laura or a Nina, to tell her about Jesus. I mean, did she know that Jesus is the savior of the world? Did she know that he would be her shepherd, her comforter, her advocate? Did she know that he made her, that he delighted in her, that God had plans for her life? I, I'll never know. I did get a chance to talk to her boyfriend afterwards and, um, I, don't, I still don't know much about her, except that um, she must have been in a desperate place. So I am eternally grateful for the women in my life who told me the truth. Um, I'm grateful that they had time to invest in me. Uh, they listened and they modeled Christ for me, life in Christ. Uh, my season of grief and sorrow, it, it was gut-wrenching, and it still is. I mean, it's still hard for me to talk about 27 years later. But it would have been absolutely dark and hopeless if Laura and Nina had not poured into me before that happened, before that tragedy, you know? They took time with me before the bottom fell out of my world. Um, they trained me in the Word of God. Um, I ate up the Word of God as nourishment before our accident, so I knew how to rely on His truth and promises after. The promises of God sustained me. That's, that's part of what I really clung to afterwards, and the names of God, knowing Him as comforter and husband, all those things. Um, so I was a widow for 16 years. <laughs> I only laugh because that is a long time. Um, you know, five years is a long time, and then you eight years, then you get to 13 years. You know, you're just like, what is going on? 16 years. Um, Jesus is so faithful. God is so faithful. Um, he was my constant companion, my husband, my counselor, my healer, the father to the fatherless. I had Riley and Michael, you know, the Lord just helped me to, to feed them when I didn't know where the money was going to come from, you know, just to um, encourage them when I didn't have that in my own self. Uh, if I didn't know the Word of God, it would have just been absolute, I don't know, it just would have been bleak and dreadful. So Laura and Nina made time for me as a searching young Christian, and God used them to prepare me for that season of tragedy and loss that we did not know was coming. And now I get to pour out into women um, as having survived that sorrow and suffering by the grace of God. And so I'm a big fan of discipleship. So thanks for letting me share that, that bit with you. It seems a little harsh to just move on to the next thing, but, <laughs> but let's, let's do it. <laughs> 
Um, the next thing is, is discipleship an add-on, another appointment that I need to add to my already full schedule, or is it an add-to? And I would like to say that I think it's an add-to. So we are, um, where are you already engaging with people? Could you make those relationships intentional? Could you add a woman uh, to what you're already doing? Laura was already running every night, and so she added me to that with, with the um, intention of sharing Jesus with me. Nina was already on campus for breakfast every Tuesday, and so she included me with the intention of modeling life in Christ. God bless you. Um, so she added me to what she was already doing. So what are you already doing? Maybe your mind is kind of thinking through that. Adding someone to that activity doesn't require carving out more time for your day. It's not something to add on to your schedule. It's adding someone to what you're already doing. And that for me already makes me feel like a deep breath, like, oh, okay, because I don't have an extra hour. I don't have an extra three hours. You know, I just, I want to add them to what I'm already doing. And what if God is using you to prepare that woman in your life? He knows the next season of her life, whether it's a triumph or a tragedy. And he may be using you to prepare her the way that he used Laura and Nina in mine. So here are some things that I learned from these two women. Laura really taught me to be faithful and reliable. I really think that's super important as we enter into women's lives and ask them to share time with us, that we are faithful and reliable and on time and not rushed and not divided. One, of the, one way I learned that was uh, one night I ran with Laura, just what we always did. And the next morning I got up and went to breakfast. All the girls were always went together. And I said, where's Laura? And they said, oh, she's, she's back in her room. She's got the flu. And I said, well, I ran with her last night. So I went to her room and I said, Laura, do you, are you sick? And she said, yes. And I said, Why, what, you know, what's the deal? And she goes, I told you I would run with you. So I ran with you. So I don't think we have to take it that far. If you've got the flu, go to bed. I, I just had no idea. Yeah, and, um, but I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that. Um, so that reliability and that faithfulness. She also taught me to serve. She and another gal, we went to a, a retreat one time, probably the first retreat I'd ever been on, and they were really intentionally discipling me. And one of the things that nobody wanted was the kitchen setup duty, you know, where you set up all the tables for, for, um, for dinner. And so, the, so Laura and this other gal, Natalie, said to me, okay, Joni, we're going to go in an hour early and we're going to set all that up. We're going to miss the hikes and all the fun stuff everybody else is doing. We're going to go in there and we're going to set it all up even better than they had planned to. We're going to make candles, all this stuff. And I was kind of like, what? And, and uh, so we got in there and sure enough, when the people came in there that had that responsibility, they were supposed to do that. You know, they were so joyful and happy and we, they never knew it was us. And I couldn't believe that we didn't get credit for it. Like I was, I wanted to say like, it was me, I did it. And Laura's like, no, 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 you don't do that. Jesus came to serve. So we need to know how to serve. He did, you know, we don't get big brownie points for every single thing. We just need to serve because that's, that's what our savior taught us. We're supposed to be servants. So, um, when we carve out time to invest in someone, I try not to be distracted. I try not to look at my watch. Before I start any time with women, I always say I'm gonna set my clock, my, my alarm for 10 minutes before we are done so, um, so that we can have time to pray. And that way it's not me interrupting, like going, okay, we have about three more minutes. You know, they just hear the little bells go off and then we all know. We all just know we're not being rude here. We just only have 10 minutes and we wanna pray before we end. So that has been very helpful for me. Um, just really keeping eye contact, not seeing who else is around, not looking to see who's coming through the door and um, just giving that time freely and fully. Nina, on the other hand, she taught me about having a safe place and asking questions. She would ask questions like, uh, and this is so, the world doesn't do this. Um, she would ask me questions like, um, what are you struggling with? How did that situation turn out last week? So following through, um, how is God stretching you? These are questions that I've never been asked before. And I ask women nowadays, but um, what are you reading about in your quiet time with the Lord? What's bringing you the greatest joy these days? What do you need accountability with? Are you thinking about how that decision will glorify God? Um, Nina is a compassionate listener, um, and I did not find that in the world, and it was um, really life-giving to me. 
And so I'd like to exhort all of us to be compassionate listeners and not thinking about your response, but just listening. So here's another. So here's what, uh, what are you already doing? Are you eating lunch that you could invite a coworker or a neighbor to with the intention of maybe sharing a little bit of um, your testimony or your life with them? Not, not right off, but these are just things that like where you're getting relationships started. Are you already working out a few times that you could invite a friend uh, with you and look for opportunities to share with them? Are you raising kids? Could you invite someone to, to the swim meet or to a soccer game and pray for God to open up a conversation? Uh, college girls, I will tell you, college girls are lonely and they are, look, some of them, they're just looking for women who will pour into them, who will listen to them. I know two women who take one, uh, one afternoon a week to do their errands together with the intention of getting scripture read. So one's driving and one reads the scripture and then they have these conversations, but they're getting their errands done. So I like this creative thinking. It's not exactly what we're used to where you just get a group together at Starbucks or you know at your home and it's all neat and tidy. These are just different ideas that I'm gonna throw out there so that it can get you thinking. Another friend of mine, she has limited time, but a lot of women wanna be with her. So on Wednesdays, she started a time from 10 to noon where when people would say, can we go for lunch or can you go for a walk or coffee or whatever, she'd just say, you know what, I've got Wednesdays from 10 to noon. And sometimes there's eight people, sometimes there's 12 people, sometimes there's two people. But from those groups, non-believers and believers, she'll just say, come on over and the conversation just gets started. And there have been some discipleship groups that have come out of those, you know, those, that window of time. Um, I have a texting group. I know this is a little bit different, but I have a texting group with seven members of my family, women in my family. Uh, we don't all live near each other, so it's Arizona, Nebraska, Oregon, California, and Montana. And it started out with just one niece wanting a little bit more about Jesus. She, she didn't know anything about Christianity, so I would send her a... Um, a passage of scripture with some thoughts and some questions and then she'd start answering the questions and we go back and forth throughout the week it would last all week um, and then a, another niece or a cousin or whatever would would find out and so we've got seven of us now and now I'm telling them it's your turn so I'll do it this Monday but then the next two Mondays it'll be Katie and then it'll be Michelle and then back to me just so we can kind of make sure we're staying on track and then it's been so fun because this last Monday I asked one of the nieces who said I'd like to do it because I just want positive thinking where I said, well, this isn't positive thinking. We're doing scripture. You know, do you want to be part of the, the texting? She said, ah, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll read it when I want to. Um, and, uh, and so I called her and asked if she could do this last Monday. And, and she got really excited, like giving somebody responsibility. So she kind of had to look for, for some scripture. And she was so excited about that. And then when the other girls, because they know her story, when the other girls saw that it was Nicole, they're like, whoa, you know, this is really good. So there's so much feedback. Thank you so much, Nicole. Wow, I needed to hear this, you know. And so it really, it does all that stuff that we're trying to, trying to encourage and include and stretch other ladies. So I love that. There's also a Bible app. Um, I can't even think of the name of it. You guys probably all know it's a, yeah, thank you. Um, version. is that what it's called? Yeah. I use it every day. What, what's it called? <laughs> um, it's free. I should be paying for it. Um, but that has also been a really neat thing. One of my cousins um, that's in Arizona, she called me one time and she said, I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. I love that line. And um, so, she, so she started us um, doing this, the devotions that are on there, you know, and, and they're so great and you can kind of take your time, but it's that back and forth um, conversation. So those are kind of some things that have worked. My favorite mission field for me is um, now that we've raised our five kids mostly, um, that was my mission field, but now I, I have a part-time job at a place called Cycle Bar, uh, like a spin class place. People think I'm saying Psycho Bar, so I just want to make sure you know it's <laughs> Cycle Bar, like Cycle. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is crazy there. It is a crazy atmosphere. The music is blasting. Sometimes there's music outside and then inside. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy, and I love it. It is my Babylon. I mean, it's really Babylon there. I would never have any place else to go to meet these women. And um, I, uh, you can tell I'm already super excited to tell you about it. I just I love it so much. I work with mostly 20 year olds 18 to 20 year olds 20 somethings and um, 
I didn't know why God would put me in that. I wasn't even looking for a job, but I, it, I landed there and now I know why, because they needed a mom, a mother figure, and they all call me mama. And um, and I, when I walk in, we they, they take turns coming up with a dance when I walk in. So it, it's just really funny. So we get there at 6.30 in the morning, and so we're dancing and laughing, and we just have a great time together. So that's, that's the beginning of it, is having fun with them and meeting them where they are. But then after I've been there now for a year and a half, about, those girls have just become so dear to me, and they're so broken, and they don't know that there's anything else. They don't know there's any other hope in the world. And they always ask me, where do you get your joy? You know, and I can just say, Jesus. And, um, and so one of the girls, I'll tell you just a couple quickly. One of the girls, I'm going to change the names, but um, one of the girls, I call her Brittany. Uh, she has had a really tough life. Most of them have. Um, but she, anyway, we were in the little laundry room at one point, and um, I had been talking to her about Jesus, and um, she just got about six inches from my face at one point, and she just said, I really need Jesus, don't I? And I said, yes, I really need Jesus, don't I? And I because she kept thinking of this guy or that guy or more money or that car or if her parents would pay attention or all these. She had all these things that she was just dying for love. And um, she just finally said, I really need Jesus, don't I? And I said, yes, you do. And we got her plugged into church and in a, in a, a discipling relationship. But um, and then another gal that was uh, in and out of foster care. Now she's being raised by an aunt who she calls mom. But um, she texts me every day. And at the, end, at the end of the night, she'll just text me and she just says, I love you, Joni. It's like she just needs somebody that will love her back. Because then I'll just write back, I love you too. I mean, that's all it is. It's no big deal. But it just, and I mean it. She knows I mean it. She knows I really care. Um, there's another gal that's a manager there that she'll just say to Ben and I, she'll just say, um, can I just come hang out with you guys? I just want to be with you guys. And she doesn't know why. I don't think she understands why. Um, probably if she got to our house, she'd be bored to death. <laughs> But, no, we'd make it fun. We'd do something. But um, then there's two more people that I want to tell you about. One is Barbara. She's older than I am. She's one of the writers. And I could just tell she was having a hard time. This is uh, a little about a year and a half ago. And so I invited her to Bible study with me. Just There's always a little fear and trembling when you invite somebody to church or to you know Bible study. I was just starting a Bible study the following Wednesday. So I said, would you want to come to Bible study with me? She goes, oh. Okay, yeah, I will. And so another gal that is a childhood friend of mine who's a recovering alcoholic, um, she also, I invited her to that Bible study. And those two ladies, they sat like this during the Bible study. <laughs> it was the hardest small group I've ever done. They just sat with their arms crossed and just looked at me like, I dare you to say anything that I care about. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh man, this is rough. <laughs> uh, this is rough. It really, in all my years, this was the hardest group ever. But now those two have become really good friends. And um, just like the one who's a recovering alcoholic, she keeps track of her days and months, you know, that, that of recovery, they keep track of how long they've been in Bible study because they say how life-changing that has been for them. So it's been um, a year and two months. We just celebrated their one year of Bible study. And Barbara will say she's losing friends because they don't have anything to talk about. You know, she's like, I, don't, I can only talk about the weather for so long. I just have nothing. To and she said, all of us that we've only known, you know, for 14 months, she says, you guys know me better than the women I've known for 30 years. And I don't even feel like it's going that deep, but you just don't know what's going on out there. Like people just aren't talking about it uh, much. And then the friend who's the recovering alcoholic, I love her so much. She's, like I said, my childhood friend. And she just said to me recently that um, she said, when I went to the world, they gave me alcohol. When I went to the doctor, he wanted me to take pills. And then I come to Bible study and Jesus was the answer the whole time. And she's so on fire. She, she takes, um, she's self-employed, makes a lot of money every day. Um, and she takes Wednesdays off and she leaves on her business um, answer machine, or not answer machine, you know, the, the response, not answering machines anymore, is it? But the, you know, the instant response. Yeah, she'll say, um, I'm not available today. Um, I'm at Bible study. And she says that on her business thing. So I love it. She's just so much bolder than I am. I, I just love it. So sometimes discipleship is not convenient. It's not tidy and neat. It's living with people uh, alongside them, and it's messy. And uh, 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Proclaim the message, persist in it, whether convenient or not. Don't you love that, that it actually addresses that, that it's not convenient? Do it anyway. Persist in it, whether it's convenient or not. I have gone for coffee more times than I can count, and I don't drink coffee. 
it's hard to find something. Um, I've read books that I'm not interested in, but if they are going to read a gospel, if I ask them to read the gospel of Mark, I'm willing to read their book. And then, so for discussion's sake, um, I have served meals and brought meals and eaten meals that I wasn't interested in, but that time was well spent in relationship building. So when God puts somebody on your radar, that's kingdom work and you don't want to turn from that. And you never know the next season in store for that woman, but God does. A.W. Tozer, Tozer says, A true disciple does not consider Christianity a part-time commitment. He has become a Christian in all parts of his life. He has reached the point where there is no turning back. We want to be full-time Christians. Uh, being a Christian, yeah, it's a full-time commitment, and Jesus is coming. We want to be found ready, and we want the people in our sphere of influence to be found ready. So another deterrent, I think, that uh, we feel sometimes is what if I don't know all the answers? That might keep you from getting in discipleship relationships, discipling relationships. So I'm just going to stop here again and just tell you the best part of my story so far is that after being a widow for 16 years, the Lord blessed me with my husband. He's in the back, back the little corner back there. Isn't he cute? <laughs> he's so cute. He's so handsome. And he's got an Australian accent if you get a chance to talk to him. God brought him all the way from Australia for me. Um, so we've been married. We've been doing ministry together ever since we met. And um, we have five kids and a very full life, and um, G uh, Jesus and discipleship is one of our favorite things to talk about. So I'm telling you that under the heading of what if I don't know all the answers, because my husband knows the Bible better than anybody I know, and he can get in conversations that I can't get into. And, um, but I know the love of Jesus, and I do know the Word. I just might not know exactly where the reference is, or I might not know the historical stuff behind it. We had a fun dinner one time. Should I... Um, Yes, well, well, I, if it sounds like name dropping. It's only because we knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody. But we got to have dinner with um, Hank Hanegraaff, you know, the Bible Answer Man, one time. So it was just the four of us, Ben and me and, and the other guy. And, um, and these two, they were talking so about all this stuff that, I mean, I didn't even understand what they were talking about. <laughs> I've been a Christian for a long time. Um, but uh, I'd stick my head in every once in a while and go, I love Jesus. You know? <laughs> So he can do those kind of conversations, but I can love on people like nobody's business. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to make sure that I told you guys the rest of my testimony, God's faithfulness to bring me this, uh, this wonderful man. So, but I have found in the women that I'm reaching out to that most people are not looking for someone with all the answers. They are looking, they want to be heard. They want to ask questions in a safe place. Um, people want to know that they are seen and that their lives matter. They want to know that there's more to life than this daily grind. Um, so listen for the motivation behind their questions. Be that compassionate listener. Um, I want to paraphrase Acts 8. I love this when it comes to discipleship. Acts 8. This is Philip and the eunuch. You probably all are familiar with this story. But it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, who was in charge of all of Queen Candace's treasure. The eunuch had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in the chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join that chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard that the, that the eunuch was reading Isaiah and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the eunuch read the passage from Isaiah. And then he asked Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet, does the prophet say this? And then Philip opened his mouth and he told him the good news about Jesus. And so the angel said to go. So Philip went. In fact, he ran. And I, I mean, he was, he was spirit led to do that. I mean, he was listening. And I believe that the spirit still leads us. You know, sometimes he asks us to do things that we think, really? Is that really what, who I'm supposed to talk to? Um, and Philip didn't have a bunch of answers figured out already. He went and let the spirit lead him. And that gives me so much comfort. Um, so the Spirit led Philip by saying, go to that chariot. And, um, and just like the eunuch, how can the people in our lives know about Jesus unless we tell them? I love that it just says, how am I supposed to know if nobody tells me? And then the eunuch says, um, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? And if, so he's saying, I ask you. So if people ask us, 
tell them. Don't just say go to church. Tell them, tell them, they're asking you. There must be some sort of relationship already that they feel like they can ask you their question. So tell them what you know and then invite them to church. But, but don't say, you know, just come on Sunday and sit with me. And that, I mean, that's, all, that's secondary. Like appreciate that there's some connection there. People want to know the truth. I did not expect Laura and Nina to know all the answers, and I didn't want Laura or Nina to water anything down. Sometimes when I'm in these relationships with women, I feel like I need to water it down a little bit, or like I feel like I just, oh, I just don't want to make them uncomfortable. But I have to remember, I didn't want that. I wanted the whole truth. I wanted you to tell me everything I needed. Uh, don't mess around with me. You know, like I, I need to know because I believe this is true. So tell me the whole thing. So what if you don't know all the answers? Um, I think people lean in more when we don't know all the answers, but when we say, um, I don't know, let me help, let me go figure that out, let me go find out, I think the humility is attractive to people. And if there's a question, yeah, just, just say, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll, but I'll find out for you and get back to them. Uh, James 1.5 says, if we ask for wisdom, he will give it to us. So show that, show that you're learning in the discussions too. I think that is really helpful. Um, it sets it up so it's not teacher-student but it's kind of equitable learners together. You might be leading, but you're learning also. I used to love it when um, Nina would say, um, hey, you just taught me something, you know? Or maybe they would say, um, I've never thought of it that way. It's really helpful because nobody wants to be your project. They want to know that, that this is a friendship too, you know? So just having that give and take and being teachable, being transparent yourself. We're not just asking them to be transparent. I'm just being engaged. And gratitude is huge. Um, I, I always say to women, if they've ever agreed to meet with me, I always say, thank you so much for meeting with me. Thank you for taking this time out of your day. So what if you don't have all the answers? Um, here are some guys that did, that, who did not assume that they knew all the answers. So Paul, in Ephesians 6.19, he said, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. That's Ephesians 6.19. So Paul's prayer request was that he would be given the words to make the, known, the, the gospel known. Moses, uh, in Exodus 4, he says, I'm slow of speech and tongue. And then the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Now go and I will help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. Um, but interestingly, then in Acts, the scripture actually says that Moses was really bold in his speech. So we might not be the best judges of if we have that boldness or not. Um, last one, Jeremiah 1.6 says, God told Jeremiah that he was called to be a prophet. And Jeremiah's response was, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. <laughs> we do know how to speak. We're not too young. And we're not too old either. So my last point is just about self-care. And the way that I know about self-care is because I've burned out more than once. Um, while I know that we were made to be in discipling relationships, I know that we are not called to be exhausted. Jesus did not call us to be exhausted. He did not call us to be so busy with tasks and appointments um, that we miss the love and the relationships. And so we don't want to just be busy. We want to be effective. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. So he has given us enough time to do what he's called us to do. He's the master of time. I love Daniel 2.21 where it says um, that he changes the times and the seasons. That he's, he's got all the time in his hands. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, are, are you guys familiar with Elizabeth Elliot? I'm sure a lot of you, yeah. Oh, I feel like she was my mentor even though I <laughs> never met her, just over the radio. I just, oh, I love her teaching so much. Um, she used to say that there are four things that you do every day. You read the word, you pray, you tell God you'll do anything he asks of you, and then you just do the next thing. I have wrote that on your bookmarks so that you can have that. So, um, and live a life that makes people ask what's different about you. You know, the world is attracted to our joy. When we're reading, read with expectation and hunger for the truth, not just I've got to get 15 minutes in for a quiet time. Read with that expectation for truth. What's he going to tell you that day? Um, and then pray. Like she said, pray. Pray for revival. Pray for people that are hurting. Pray for the proud. Pray for veils to be lifted. Pray for healing. Pray. Just pray however God leads you. And then keep those appointments. Just do the next thing. Uh, I... 
I would say to set healthy boundaries for disciple group, discipleship groups. If it's going to be six months or six weeks, make sure everybody's clear on that and that you'll reevaluate after that time. Um, if you're looking for a curriculum, uh, my husband just wrote this, this um, curriculum a curriculum for discipleship groups, and I'm going to give that away to somebody in just a minute, but um, this is a really good one, the Discipleship Group Workbook. And um, so, yeah, whatever book you're, whatever you're going through, but you can also just go through a passage of scripture and ask who, what, why, when, and where, and how does this apply to our lives, you know? Um, and part of, part of Healthy Boundaries for me, I'm not going to tell you a lot of time savers, but I would just tell you that for me, I return text messages twice a day, once before lunch and once before my family comes home. And then I just do emails once a day and I just delete anything that doesn't need to be responded to. I read it and delete um, once a day. Because do you guys have any of those friends that will send you an email and then text you and say, why didn't you get back to my email and it's only been like a half an hour? Yeah. I just, I can't, I can't, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. So, um, so it's better, I mean, I feel like I'm training people to realize, oh, she doesn't get back to you, right, you know, in five minutes, like, she, you know, once a day. So find out what those boundaries are for you. And if we're making uh, disciples who are busy because we set that example, it perpetuates that burnout, and that's not what, what we want. Um, and we don't want people that are dependent on us. We want to point them to God and the Word and to Jesus. Um, like Laura and Nina, they um, teach women to depend on the manna that God gave them for that day, in the word and in prayer. Have you guys ever heard the, the line, um, go to God's throne before you pick up the throne, um, before you pick up the phone? <laughs> go to God's throne before you pick up the phone. I love to tell women that. Like you can call me, for sure you can call me, but I'm gonna ask you, what do you feel like God's saying to you through his word and through prayer today about this subject? You know, instead of just calling me, Joni, what should I do? Go to the word first, pray about it, Take some time. What do you think he's? What, he, what do you think he's saying? So, when I don't think I have time, but I feel that tug on my heart for somebody, I have to reevaluate re my time. And I sometimes by myself at home, I will just literally hold out my hands and say, "Lord, this time is in your hands for this day. The time is yours. How do you want me to spend it? Do I go invest that in this woman? Do I have her over, or do I just keep doing what I what I feel like my list is?" So it requires me, me to listen. And then a lot of times my husband will pray over me in the morning and he'll just say, order her steps, Lord. Help her not to feel rushed. And that changes my whole day. I just can remember the one person, you know, I'm trying to please the Lord, but I also want my husband to be happy with me. And so when I know that he's saying, don't be rushed, oh, like, okay, I don't need to rush. So why? Because Jesus, in some of his last recorded words, said, make disciples. Is discipleship an add-on? No, discipleship can happen by adding someone to your life. What if I don't know all the answers? You're in good company. Trust the Holy Spirit. And take care of yourself so you don't burn out um, so that you can pour out God's love on people. So remember the eunuch. How will they know if I don't tell them? Um, we can make time for that. Remember Paul's prayer request. Help me to know the words that I can make the mystery of the gospel clear. We can make time for that. And like Moses, you might feel like you're slow of speech, but you, you have the words that the Holy Spirit will speak through you. You're not too old, not too young. You know how to speak. <laughs> and Jesus used some of his last words to say, go and make disciples. So that is worth our time. Um, and I don't want to stand before Jesus and say, I didn't have time. Can you imagine? I didn't have the time. Oh, that would be terrible. I want to be able to say thank you that my time was in your hands. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for guiding my time. So one last. So this is Dallas Willard. When Jesus walked among humankind, and this is on your outlines, um, there was, I think, there was a certain simplicity to being a disciple. Primarily it meant to go with him in an attitude of study, obedience, and imitation. And I love that because the emphasis is on simplicity. Doesn't have to be fancy. So who is God putting on your heart to invest time in? How could you add them to your life? Um, there's some practical ways to economize time and all that, but I think that the question of who's got time for this is more about the truth that God is the master of time and that he's given us 24 hours a day, each of us, and, uh, and directive to make disciples. So he has the time, we have the time. It's a lifestyle choice. It's a series of decisions every day of saying, who, who do I choose to serve? And um, so I'm hoping that this has lifted some burdens. You don't have to be busy. You just have to listen to what he's called you to.
And the last scripture, <coughs> excuse me, is Mark or Matthew 24, 14. This is our joy. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And the world just needs brave men and women. And it does take courage, right, to go out there in this world. It is a, I have learned through Cycle Bar, it is a dark, hopeless, angry world at times with really unsatisfying answers, just really shallow discussions sometimes, and people really want to be heard. I have really observed that um, there's a, I don't know if it's the age group or I don't know if it's our, what it is, but if, if it's just our culture, but there's this group of women that I'm working with that I really realize they have, they don't know the art of conversation to ask questions back. So they like to talk, they, they're so happy to be heard, but they don't know, even when they're talking to each other, they don't know how to, that back and forth. And so when I just say, tell me more about that. How, how did that make you feel? Oh, that must have really, that must have really hurt. You know, I just say things like that. Tell me more about that. They, they just are, they don't know what to do with them. I mean, they're just so thankful that somebody's willing and, and they know that I really care. So I'm going to end with that. Just say, and one last, one last thing is just this Beth Moore quote that I think is really fun as we're trying to go out there. She says, um, Lord, give me traction for the action you want me to take. So give me traction for the action you want me to take. So thank you for coming. And if you have any questions, um, I'm happy to be here or I might call on Joanne or Ben, but no, you have to give, I have another giveaway. So you have okay. to Yeah. Are there any questions? Are there any? Is there anybody that has any comments? Yeah. I have a comment. That's my first. That's my. That's my th non-thinking way of giving this to you. <laughs> I've watched my husband do that before. So okay, got that. That's a good one. So. Yeah, praying to make relationships more important than tasks. Yeah. And so, what have you done? What? What can? Do you have any? For you? Yeah. 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 The difference when you act on what you. Yeah. Um, just real quick with everybody, can you tell me, and it doesn't have to be just in this class, I would love to hear a little feedback about what your takeaway is from the conference. Like five seconds. Is there, would you be willing to share something? Because it encourages us too. Are you leaving with something that you didn't expect to leave with? Or what's kind of stood out for you? Hmm. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Yeah, that was so good. That oh, was good. That was Anyone good. else? To do the work that That's good. That's really good. And I'll tell you that it is because if we, if each one of us, because my dream went on, I would drive my husband crazy. I, back in the days when there were phone books, you know, any of you that old, <laughs> yes. I said, I would love to like open the phone book and just point at a name and go oh, over yeah. the house and get to know him. And that's my husband's nightmare. <laughs> but with all, all of yeah. you, I think, gosh, I wish I could hang out with every single one of you. Yeah. But if we all shared our story yeah. about how the Holy Spirit, how Jesus got a hold of us, it would be different. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. good. And that's, that's right. exactly what you're saying too. Discipleship. You're speaking about that. What? Mm. How can the Lord use you yeah. to change somebody else's life? How he? How can he use you as a vessel? Which mm -hmm. is, I think, so exciting. Don't you think? Yes, because he's made all of us so differently. Why would we think there is one approach to discipleship? Right. Yeah. So, and we we would love your feedback too. Any anything else? Any, am I missing anybody? Mm -hmm. So you are like speaking right to me when you say that because that's what we're going to be creating with Grace and Truth Living right now just for so specifically women-oriented. You know, I, so Seattle, that is my husband's team, by the way. So um, he <laughs> would know how to talk to you um, better than I would. But, you know, as women, I think that's what we need just to get the conversation yeah. started. So please pay attention to the emails that come out. Don't be afraid to reply right to the newsletter. It'll be in a newsletter form. So that's going to be happening and, and also resources for other people mm -hmm. that are doing it already so you don't have to wait on me yeah let me give that to Joni she's more task oriented than me she didn't want to <laughs> I am <laughs> yeah Joanne was like let everything just free I'm flow like, and I'm like no 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 I don't free flow <laughs> <laughs> I don't do this question <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I love that you're asking that question that is so Every woman in this Everyone, room right? is like, oh, so sweet. Oh. Um, he's a Seahawk fan. <laughs> <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> 
Well, I think just the fact, like I said, when Ben prays over me and says, help her not to be rushed today, that means so much to me because I'm rushing so that when he comes home, he's, you know, he thinks like everything's just so perfect and great. And then when I get that relief of like, that's not what really pleases him. I've heard this before that what we think pleases our husbands by having everything perfect is not always, they would rather us be happy than to be just wiped out at the end of the day. I still probably don't get that completely. But um, I, I mean, I don't know much, I don't know anything about her, but is there someone that she already meets with or is there some, I know that there's a man in our church the wife does not come to church and he's asked me if I would reach out to her. And so I have, I've reached out to her through email and just said, Hey, um, I just noticed that I met her once or twice. And, um, so I've reached out to her in a very broad way, just saying, Hey, I'd love to get to know you better. You want to come hang out? And so we've got this thing going back and forth a little bit. And I know that that's the cry of his heart is that his wife would join in. And so I wonder if there's anybody that would reach out to her or, does she have it might feel more like other tasks for her to do? Maybe or and park a dates. Wife, there's an expectation that she's oh. the one to go do that. That she has great needs. I'm going to tell you something. A gal yeah. came up to me after one of the sessions here this this past few days in tears. Pastor's wife. And um, in, in our discipleship group, I think that's one of, and I, you know, I'm just going to say this now to all of you who may not be pastor's wives or heads of any ministry, stop thinking they have it and they're doing it and they've got it all together because yeah. they need so much encouragement. They need so much prayer. So this woman is a pastor's wife at our church and the Lord kept putting her on my heart. Um, definitely mature in the faith. Definitely. I mean, she could probably teach me a lot of things about, you know, but she needed a spot to sit and soak. Mm -hmm. That's what she needed. She needed that kind of discipleship space. So her space may not be, she doesn't need to, though she will do it with us, learn scripture and all that kind of thing. She needs a place to sit and soak. So um, I, I would I would reach out to anybody in ministry and don't be afraid and don't think it looks on oh, being so prideful. Pray about it. And with your wife, I would say this, something that blesses you say for how can I help you and how can I pray for you today? Because with a task-oriented person, it is so service-based, mm -hmm. and those are the two. My husband's the task-oriented one, Joni. I'm, yeah, it's not me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but for yeah, a task-oriented person like my husband, what can I do for you today, mm -hmm. and and how can I be praying for mm -hmm. you? I'm telling you, 99% of the time, he doesn't say I have to do anything. Mm -hmm. And then when he says, I like, can you clean the fridge? And I try you're not to be annoyed, it. but yeah. I am. <laughs> but that breaks down walls. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then just be praying somebody can help her to sit and soak. Or as you're, since you're the pastor, you can reach out to somebody you trust. I was just going to say, I, I, would, I would encourage you to reach out to somebody yeah. and say, hey, would you call my wife and have coffee? Yep. Um, because I, I do that for, for others on our staff as well as the other way around. They'll come to me. I've had pastors come to me and say, hey, can you have coffee with, with my wife? I just get to dance to know her. And I'm like, totally on it, yeah. You know, because, because there's so many people. Like, how do you know who to, you know, sometimes it's like who do you reach out to? Some, somebody that you trust that you know is not going to say, your husband asked me to reach out to you, or, you know? Right. Because that is a no-go. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, even even in honesty, though, somebody that she can share that you don't pick up your laundry, and she's not going to feel she'll feel safe saying that mm. because that's the Elizabeth who's going to encourage her to hey, you know what, love them anyway. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. That message was from Grace and Truth Living's track called "Women in Disciple Making." Download their free PDF giveaway that has 42 printable scripture memory cards at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. In addition to this podcast and that download, you'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.